0: For well, she said she's magical, mystical, or a powerful wonder girl
1: everyone. I'm Christine Bentley in studio with Kate Wheeler and you are listening to a best of episode of What She Said right here on 105.9 The Region. We sure hope you're enjoying the holidays
2: and making the most of whatever time off you may have. So who's on? Well, a modern girl is nothing without her squad of besties. But don't let all the hashtags fool you. The hashtag Girl Squad goes back a long, long time. Geek girl Sam Maggs tells us about her new book called Girl Squads 20 Female Friendships That Changed History. It takes readers on a tour of some of history's most famous female BFFs, spanning art, science, politics, activism, and sports. We have Dr. Isildine Aboulaj. He's an esteemed
1: author, five-time Nobel Peace Prize nominee, and the founder of the Daughters for Life Foundation. Each year, the foundation supports young women of Middle Eastern background in pursuing education in various fields by providing scholarships and awards. It was founded in memory of the doctor's daughters and niece who were killed by an Israeli tank shell in the Gaza Strip in January of 2009.
2: Film critic Ann Brody has a chat with actress Emily Mortimer, who plays the grown-up Jane Banks in Mary Poppins Returns, which is in theaters now. Have you seen that one yet? No. No, I haven't. Um, I will have a chat with my former colleague Dan Carter, who was recently elected as mayor of Oshawa. Now, Dan received about 69% of the ballots cast. His story is inspirational, and I think it was the story of the election. I talked to him about his transition from a homeless alcoholic and drug addict to broadcaster, motivational speaker and now mayor. And closing out the show in our live studio sessions, we have country singer-songwriter Kelsey Main performing Women Waiting. Or Woman Waiting. Woman Waiting. You got it. And don't forget to follow us on social media at What She Said Talk. A reminder that What She Said will be back on January 12th with brand new episodes and you can find out who's on, enter all our contests, watch videos, and connect with us right on WhatSheSaidTalk.com What She
0: Said
3: Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. To contact the show, go to whatshesaidtalk.com.
4: Meridian's three-year escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply.
3: This is 1059
4: The Region.
0: She's powerful, wonderful, honest
3: and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler.
2: A modern girl is nothing without her squad of besties. But don't let all the hashtags follow you. The hashtag Girl Squad goes back a long, long time. Joining us now is geek girl Sam Max, whose new book Girl Squad's 20 Female Friendships That Changed History will take you on a tour of some of history's most Famous female BFFs. Welcome back, Sam, to what she said.
5: Thank you. I'm so happy to be back (laughs) talking to you guys.
2: Well, this is such a, a cool topic because it's spanning art, science, politics, activism, sports. Yeah. The girl squads in this book show just how essential female friendship has been throughout history and throughout the world. So what was... What was the catalyst? What was the initial idea for this?
5: Yeah, great question. I previously wrote a book called Wonder Women, which was 25 women. That Mm -hmm. was the last time I was here 25 women in the history of STEM, so science, technology, engineering, and math, who had been successful and that we'd never heard about. But I realized when I was writing that book that my favorite stories were not the ones that just focused on individual women, but the ones where a bunch of women helped each other out Mm -hmm. in order to become successful. And I kind of started thinking, I, I think a lot in our society, women, And girls are really socialized to feel as though we have to be competitive with each other instead of cooperative with each other. We sort of all suffer from this Highlander syndrome where we think like there can be only one, you know, there can only be one female radio show host or like there can be only one girl on the Internet who talks about video games. So we feel like we have to compete with each other because we're never really shown, I mean, on purpose, examples of Girl squads or girl team ups. We always see like a bunch of dudes and the one girl. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I really wanted to write a book that would provide a great example for readers of the fact that women have been collaborating and cooperating all throughout history, all over the world to create great change and that we're stronger together than we are apart. And the fact of the matter is that it's our nature to want to cooperate. Totally. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. It's
1: not really our nature to want to compete with one another. I don't think women. I no, I think, I we're, think it's we're amid. almost set up in a way.
5: Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone is caddy by nature necessarily. You know what I mean? I, I think that we are, we all, like you say, humans, want to be a tribe. We want to be together. We want to help each other. And when we lift each other up, everyone is better for it. So I really want to encourage that.
2: Well, let's go through some of, some of the women featured in this book, and you can tell us why they, sure. in particular, inspired you. These two sound fun. Anne Bonnie and Mary Reed, an infamous uh, duo of pirates who sailed the seven seas and plundered with the best of the men. Well, Absolutely. they inspire me already. <laughs>
5: <laughs> they were two real-life female pirates. Interestingly, I learned while writing this book that pirates, as we think of them today, really only existed for about a 30-year time period in the 1700s called the Golden Age of Piracy. So during those 30 years, uh, there were these two, among many others, um, really awesome female pirates. And the cool thing about pirates is that they were democratic, they were socialists, they had disability insurance, and they accepted people of all different races and genders. Including women, so actually, like pirates were great, kind of. Yeah, well, That's interesting because <laughs> like, at
2: that time, women were considered bad luck on a on a ship.
5: And on navy ships, certainly, yeah. And and also they they had no sort of you know if you got injured on the job, which a lot of people did in the navy, tough luck kind of thing. You mm-hmm. know, people of color couldn't mm-hmm. serve in the navy. Um, so this was really pirates were a really democratized and forward-thinking group of folks <laughs> who were sort of put through a smear campaign because people liked them so much that the, ah. the English colonialists had to be like, no, they're, they're bad, actually. <laughs> <laughs> And then we have a pair
1: of Parisian socialites, Jeanne Manon Roland and Sophie Grandchamp, who landed front
5: row seats from prison, mind you, uh, to the French Revolution. Absolutely. These were two gals who, in the lead up to the French Revolution, started to look at America and England and think that, you know, constitutions looked pretty good, maybe. And that's what they wanted instead. And so they started to run um, a series of salons, like you say, in Paris that brought together all the greatest minds of the French Revolution revolution. Um, But many people writing at the time said that they were the smartest of the bunch. They just sort of chose to stay back on the sidelines and act as though they weren't really the ones who had the power and let the men think that they have the power, which is something I think we're probably all familiar (laughs) with at one point or another in our lives. Um, And unfortunately, Menor ended up uh, losing her head for her trouble, but um, they were good friends right up until the end. So pretty inspiring stuff. That darn guillotine. I know, eh?
2: Okay, the Zora... Orchestra? Now, they're from Afghanistan, and they became the nation's first all female musical group. They must have been defying all kinds of laws and danger there.
5: Definitely. And actually, they exist right now. So, this mm-hmm. is like a very modern thing. I think a lot of people know that Afghanistan, with the Taliban and everything, obviously has a very troubled past when it comes to um, women's rights and civil rights. But what I think a lot of people don't know is that the Taliban also banned music in Afghanistan and the playing of music. So for these girls now, not only to be public figures um, with careers, but also careers as musicians is sort of a crazy catalyst for danger that they put themselves in every morning when they wake up and grab their cases and walk to school. And we're talking about 12, 14, 16 year old girls. Um, It's it's pretty impressive. Well, you've talked
1: about collaboration. Um, Female friendship definitely is a thing. You talk about how many women pushed the boundaries, won victories, yeah. uh, and did so because of and not despite other women. Yeah, absolutely. So they were made better by by having those besties.
5: That's absolutely right. You know, I mean, look at you two. <laughs> I think that's a great example of this. I think that... Women are, we we want to support each other. No one's going to make change for us, basically. So if we want to see big changes for ourselves in the world, we better stand up and, and make them because otherwise, you know, what are we going to do?
2: So what was one of the coolest things you learned when doing the research or writing this book?
5: One of my favorite stories in the book, I really love the Zora Orchestra. I'm glad we talked about it. But I think another one of my favorite stories in the book is like we were talking about their sports squads in the book mm-hmm. athlete squads that was really new for me i don't really know a lot about sports so that was kind of outside of my comfort zone but it was discovering how these different groups of athletes like not only were very impressive in their own fields but also served to change in some ways, the political climate of the countries that they're playing for. I really love the story of the 1964 Japanese Olympic women's volleyball team, um, which you might not think a volleyball team would have any significant political or cultural impact. But in 1964, post-war Japan was trying to reassert itself on the world stage as a peaceful, technological, innovative power. And the pressure of that sort of like personal rebranding on behalf of the Japanese government fell squarely on the shoulders of this Olympic volleyball team in their gold medal match against the Soviets, with whom the Japanese also had a very um, difficult history. So it reads like a sports movie. Like it reads like Rudy to me. So I think it should be a movie.
1: Yeah, it's great. So uh, veering away from the book for a moment, what about your own personal life? Oh, yeah. Give us an example of a situation or something that you've done that you might not have done had it not been for a bestie.
5: Oh, probably like all the work that I've done, essentially. The great thing I think about social media and the Internet now is that we're able to find people with common interests and common jobs that maybe we might not have found in Real life, quote unquote, otherwise, to form our own communities of, you know, nerds. Like, that's my thing. Like, I'm a big nerd. So I was able to find a community there of people who are making comics or making video games who are women who you may not have ever found in the real world, depending Mm -hmm. on the town you live in. Otherwise, so having the support of that great community that I found through the internet at pushing me to um, succeed and to do what I believe in is. Pretty cool. I feel pretty lucky.
2: And is that what you hope people take away from reading the book?
5: Definitely. I hope that anybody who reads Girl SQUADS realizes that women have always been working together to create change, and that we're stronger together than we are apart. Absolutely. So,
2: where can people get a copy of Girl SQUADS: Twenty Female Friendships That Changed History?
5: You can pick up a book anywhere. Books are sold. You can buy it online. You can buy it in brick-and-mortar shops like Indigo. And um, there's also an audio book that I narrated. So, if you prefer audio books, you can pick oh, that, that up that's from cool. Penguin Random. House. Did you enjoy doing- that? It was really challenging. I mm. loved it, but it was perhaps I was naive in thinking that it would be like easy to do. No, it was really hard, but I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so for
1: all the nerds out there, they can find you on social media at Sam Maggs. That's me.
2: S-A-M-M-A-G-G-S. That, that is pretty easy. Yeah. So you're everywhere. So what's coming up next?
5: Uh, I'm I'm writing a video game DLC right now. So in November, if you've played the Spider-Man game from Insomniac, you can pick up a DLC for that that I worked on, um, and keep your eye out for more. Oh, on December 18th, I have a, a book coming out with DK called Marvel: Fearless and Fantastic, which is an encyclopedia of all of Marvel's women superheroes. Wow, so, how many? Uh, there seemed to be
2: a lot. Did she bury a or what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, she's
5: promoting her book.
2: <laughs> that's future book? Yeah, yeah, that's oh, that next was, book. One coming out just in time for Christmas. There's like right? more
5: than 50 yeah, in I was the book. Say, yeah. I think
2: that's pretty, they've got a pretty good ratio.
5: Totally. Absolutely. All
2: right, Sam Max, thank you very much. Thanks.
6: What she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian. Expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply.
7: Take the Hill Street Challenge and go alcohol-free for 30 days. Because when you go alcohol-free, good things happen to your body. Better sleep, greater focus, and maybe even... Wow, my bass playing has gotten awesome. Right, honey?
4: Yeah, whatever.
7: Take the Hill Street Challenge and play sexy all night long. Learn more at hillstreetchallenge.com. This
3: is 1059, the region.
0: What she said. She's powerful wonderful honest
1: and. Lovable.
3: Now back to what she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler.
1: Joining us now is Dr. Isoldein Abulash, an esteemed author, five-time Nobel Peace Prize nominee, and perhaps most importantly, the founder of the Daughters for Life Foundation. Welcome to what she said.
8: Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much.
1: Now, each year, you help support young women of Middle Eastern background to pursue their studies by providing them with scholarships and awards. For people who may not know, tell us why the foundation was established.
8: The foundation was established in memory of my loved daughters Bissan, Mayar, and Aya who were killed in a tragic situation when an Israeli tank to my house, killing the three daughters and wounding others. Thank God I succeeded to manage that situation as a medical doctor, the emergent situation of handling it. But later on, a friend of mine, he said to me, Zeldin, the world forgets. So I asked myself, am I going to forget my loved ones? I will never forget them. And yesterday's event was to send a message to my friend that my daughters are alive and will be kept alive. I lost Bisan, Mayar, and Aya. But yesterday, among the scholars we have, we have scholars, their names were Mayar, Aya, Yusra, and others. So that's always, and I thought always, to send a positive message to the world. In every bad thing, there is something positive. It's in our hands. Life is what we make it. Always has been, always will be. This is a tragedy. I was determined to invest it for good, will be invested for good, and to think of others who are in need. Mm-hmm. And what can we do to give hand to others?
1: Does it make you feel a little bit like you're just a tiny little bit a father to some of these women because you would have provided an education for your own daughters? They are and my
8: daughters. I see them. Bisan, Mayar, Aya, and everyone. It's not about the biology. It's about the humanity. And that's what is needed. We need to look around to ask and to get rid of everything called I. We want to speak about we. We as people in this world, to see the human face of each of us. And as I said, to think of others. If I was in their position of these young women and they are in need, they have the potential, but they are deprived of the resources. And that's why I am proud of what do we do, and to keep my daughters alive because they are not dead. They are only far away from me. They are traveling, and these daughters around us, they are spreading. That message of life, of hope, of resilience, of tolerance, of understanding, of knowledge. Because I am in depth in my life to my mother, my wife, and my daughters. And this world, I repeat it. And it's my message in this world. This world will never be a safe, secure, peaceful one without women's education and women's role. It's time to give women the means, the role, and the opportunity. I am sure they will make the world a better, a human, peaceful, and healthy one. And men, they need to be educated to understand that women are not a threat. And they are not competing. They are complementing. And that's even the sense of purpose and the purpose of our existence when God created us from Adam and Eve to live together to complement and support.
2: Doctor, when you see see the response, the outpouring of of emotional and financial support from the Muslim community in Pittsburgh to the city's Jewish community at its time of grief, do you feel that your message is actually getting through the ever-towering wall of hate we're seeing south of the border?
8: Hatred for me is a contagious disease mm-hmm. destructive disease and it's a public health issue and it's the result of exposure there are triggers for this hatred in this world where which is man-made mm-hmm. this hatred is man-made and we need to find the root causes of it and sometimes political use of fearmongering Incitement it creates misunderstanding among the people. So we as people we don't want to be trapped in this a trap of fear mongering, but the opposite. We want to expose the lies of what is going on in the world. But what was the reaction of this tragedy in Pittsburgh? The world to stand up because even yesterday I said it, we all bleed the same color Mm -hmm. and we all are equal. Mm -hmm. We are similar and we need to stand up and to condemn any killing of any innocent human being, whether Mm -hmm. in the media we see it or even in silence. How many people who are dying in silence every day, in particular women and the children, we must not accept it. We must condemn it and expose it and to take action. To save lives because saving ones, you save the world. Killing one, you kill the world. There is no difference for me between a Muslim, Jewish, a Christian, Buddhist, anyone, a Canadian, Israeli, Palestinian. We are a human being and our life is equal and it's the most precious thing in the universe
2: the awards they're given to students in palestine israel lebanon jordan syria canada the united states the uk Now, as you mentioned this year's ceremony just wrapped up and you chose um your luminary awards winners christian amanpour vera baboon and dr michael dan as winners tell us a little bit about the work they do we know Christiane Amanpour. christian
8: amanpour because the connection i have with the Christian she covered the tragedy from its early days when she came to visit my home and to advocate for exposure of the truth in a kind way because kindness and tolerance are not signs of weakness with words words are stronger than bullets but we need the right words the kind words the strong ones in time Mm -hmm. to spread it so she spread and all of the time she is advocating for the truth and exposure of the lies. That's why we felt the connection and she deserves it, the reward. It's, it's nothing in comparison to what is she doing. So that's why we want to acknowledge and that the world is watching what are we doing mm-hmm. for each of us to encourage the people, do something. Do something, don't underestimate your action. Whatever the action you are doing, it's a small, but it impacts others' lives. For Dr. Vera Baboon, She was the first woman with all of the challenges she faced as a mother who lost her husband to raise five children, to run for election in a community with its own culture, Mm -hmm. male dominant culture, to run for the election because she believed in herself. She didn't underestimate herself. I can do it. And she did it. And she won the election to run the most holy city in the world. She's the first woman. The city of peace. Mayor of Peace is missing in this world. So as she said it yesterday, if the most holy city, the city of peace, is missing peace in this world, what about our world? Mm. Dr. Michael Dan, who is the medical doctor, who is the messenger of humanity, and he is advocating for human rights, for the First Nation, for health, for well-being everywhere you see him. He is working in silence. He deserves Mm. this little acknowledgement from us, and we are proud of bringing these people to the public, to hear their message, to inspire others, Mm -hmm. to take action and to do positive things that makes a difference.
2: Now you wrote a book called I Shall Not Hate, a Gaza doctor's journey on the road to peace and human dignity. Tell us what message you are trying to get through to people.
8: It's not my message or my life, it's everyone's. It's a human message, Mm -hmm. a message of hope, To inspire the people that it's not with hatred. Mm -hmm. And don't allow hatred, as I said, which is a disease, to impact your life, to destroy your life, to make you paralyzed. It's a poison, hatred. It's a fire which burns Mm -hmm. and eats the one who is impacted by it. So I say to people, don't allow hatred. If someone is doing you harm in your life, don't be trapped to be a victim of that action and mm-hmm. then to be a victim of the hatred. Don't be a victim more than once.
2: I have to ask you, how did you find it in your heart? Your children, your niece were killed in front of your eyes. How did you find it in your heart? Your grief was palpable. It was broadcast around the world to, to not hate.
8: I may have the right to hate, but is it the right way to bring my daughter's justice peace and to do good things the only thing which i believe which is impossible to return my daughter's back i can't bring them back but they are not away from me i see them i talk to them they are traveling only and i want to carry their own message as young women the messages of young women and every woman in this world message of love of hope Women who give life, who nurture life, they will never breed hate. That's why I am here (laughs) and spreading this message because I am accountable to them. Where they always ask me, What did you do for us? Say to them, Now, I didn't forget you, I didn't give up, I will continue to spread your kind message of education of tolerance, of resilience, and love, and will never hate.
1: Why did you choose to become a Canadian citizen?
8: I never thought of coming to Canada. I was supposed to come to Canada in 1998 to do a fellowship in maternal fetal medicine at Mount Sinai Hospital. Mm -hmm. It took time. Then I said, it's not the end of the world. Maybe other places. So I went to UK. I did it. But God knows and we don't know. Then the time came after the tragedy. When my wife passed away before my daughters were killed. My wife passed away 16th of September 2008. Then my daughters were killed Jan 16th of January 2009. Four months apart. I was working in Israel where I am proud of what did I do. I can't keep my children alone. My mother, my wife, was my main support. She was the backbone. Mm -hmm. The mother is the one who Mm -hmm. supports. So I have to find a place where I can be with my children. I sent my CV to some friends and got two offers. One was from University of Toronto and one was from the University of Harvard. I am blessed and happy. That I made many mistakes in my life as any human being, but I am proud that I took the wisest decision of coming to Toronto, where it's my home now We're and so my children's on- home.
2: So honored to have you. Where can people learn more about the foundation? Uh,
8: they can learn about the foundation from the website www.daughtersforlife.com. We urge the people to come. It's not the foundation. It's a family. Mm-hmm. Daughters for Life family. We urge anyone to come to join Daughters for Life family which spreads light, life, and hope in this world.
2: Dr. Abulaj, it has been an honor. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Us.
8: My pleasure. Thank you so much.
4: Would she say-
3: What she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. We'll be right back.
4: Meridian's three-year escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply.
7: Take the Hill Street Challenge and go alcohol-free for 30 days. Because when you go alcohol-free, good things happen to your body. Better sleep, less tired, greater focus. There is one downside, however. Oops. Higher furniture costs. Take the Hill Street Challenge and see what you can break. Learn more at hillstreetchallenge.com. Cheers to a better you. This is
3: 1059, The Region.
0: What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest, and
2: lovable.
3: Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler.
2: Mary Poppins Returns hits theaters on Wednesday and our film critic Anne Brody sat down with actress Emily Mortimer who plays the grown-up Jane Banks in the film. And Anne is with us now. Did the movie give you all the (gasps) feel? It did. Not only did I love the film, I love Emily
9: Mortimer. She makes me want to cry somehow and she is so much fun to talk to. All right, let's take a listen.
10: Mary Poppins oh, who came back
3: you seem hardly to have aged at all
10: really one never discusses a woman's age Michael would have hoped I taught you better
9: Emily what a delight this film is I, I just I amazed how drawn in and overwhelmed and Nostalgic, it made me and others that saw it when I saw it. Um, Thank you. you, Did you look at the original films in order to get any kind of uh, something from young Jane to make her what she is, what you make her?
10: Yes, of course, the original film was something that I'd grown up watching and then watched again in preparation for this movie. I'd also watched it with my own children, who are eight and 15, (laughs) and, and watched it ever since they were little. Um, so yeah, I, but I, I I ended up I think focusing more on the parents in the original movie than the kids because it's hard to sort of copy mannerisms of a child and try to imagine how they would have changed into a yeah. an adult. I mean, I couldn't really get my head around how to do that. And anyway, we all turn into our mothers event eventually. Is <laughs> not the truth. So I um I focused my kind of efforts in in the research more on thinking about. How would uh, the grown-up child of these slightly eccentric kind of absent parents uh, um, grow up to be, you know? And uh, and Glennis Johns plays the mother so brilliantly in the mm-hmm. first movie, and she's such an eccentric character. So it was fun imagining imagining what it would be like to be her child.
9: And she raised a feminist, a future feminist, and social activist, which I really enjoyed. That was a great, uh, a great part of her. Yeah. Um, the role is quite physical for you. you. You ride, I'm assuming you actually rode that wonky bike.
10: Yes, and then manuel Miranda is a genius at many things, but bicycle riding, he's not, <laughs> he's not gonna win a Kennedy award for his bicycle riding, let me tell you. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty shaky.
9: And being up in the air flying and floating and doing all kinds of uh, wonderful crazy things. And I'm just wondering on a scale of one to ten, how much fun was it making this film?
10: Oh, it was the most fun. It was the ten, definitely. I mean, an eleven. I, I, I've spent a lot of time on film sets, sort of wishing my time away and and wishing I was back home and missing my kids. And and on this occasion, of course, I miss my kids always. But I did manage to actually notice that this was a once in a lifetime thing. That I, I was just so lucky to be there, and I managed to kind of savor every moment. It was hard. I mean, it would have been impossible not to really because you know, surrounded by these brilliant performers that Rob Marshall had assembled and just, and the way that he, he is like Mary Poppins, Rob. He he is a magical person and he makes everything magical. And so just walking onto the set every day felt joyful. And he would play music from the original movie. And, you know, he just knows how to put on a show for you as actors, as you're doing the work, as well as for the audience that gets to see the final Final thing,
9: and I can't imagine what you felt like working with Dick Van Dyke and Angela Lansbury, who replaced uh, Julia Andrews in this. But both of them are iconic characters who had great careers in the '60s in musicals.
10: What was yeah, oh yes, I mean, uh, and and somehow connected the movie, you know, through Dick Van Dyke to the original movie, but also through Angela, uh, you know, and Dick to the to the kind of history of movies and of Disney movies and of cinema. You know, you feel that there's. This film, as a somehow, is part of the 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 great sort of tradition of, of, of movie making, and it's like a really old fashioned movie experience. And I think part of the reason I'm so happy to be a part of it is is that millions and millions of people are going to go and see this film in a cinema, and that it should be seen in the cinema. It's a huge show, and it needs yes. to be experienced in a, on a big screen with you know, no lights, and just um, lots of people, and that's how it needs to be experienced, and that's, it's so exciting to me that people are gonna go to the cinema to see it. And to see
9: this rich, humanistic, low-tech film. Yes.
10: I know there's no CGI. Hardly, you know, everything happens in camera, including the flying, which was terrifying. But, but also the, you know, the, the, the parrot's umbrella, right. Right. When his animatronics. You know, he he did everything old school, and I think it really adds
9: something to the to the film. Yeah, it felt so good. It was a great film, and you're terrific. I love Jane the way Thank she turned you. out. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you.
3: This is one oh five nine. The region.
0: What she
3: Connect with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler at WhatSheSaidTalk.com.
2: When I first met our next guest, he was the oldest intern I'd ever seen hanging around the late night newsroom at CFTO with a thirst to become a broadcaster. Zip forward a couple of decades, and I was hired to help launch Channel 12 news. Then on checks in Oshawa, it's now Global Durham. The boss there, that intern. Dan Carter, who is now Oshawa's mayor-elect. Dan, congratulations. So happy for you.
11: (laughs) Thank you very much, Kate. I love the way you set it up. The oldest intern, and you're absolutely correct. Uh, I I was the oldest intern at CTV and CFCO.
2: But I want you to tell everyone what Ken Shaw said when you told him your dream of becoming a broadcaster.
11: It was quite funny because if you know Ken, you know he has a great uh, sense of humor and he, he kind of knew my, my back story so um, I had a, I had a, a, a dyslexia. I have a learning disability and and uh, so I wasn't a great reader at the time. And so he said to me, so let me just get this straight. He said, uh, so you're in your 30s? And I said, yes. He says, you know, you usually start in this industry a little bit younger. I said, no, I understand that. And he said, and you're losing your hair. I said, yeah, I know. And he goes, you know, this is all about, you know, what you look like. I said, oh, I know that. And he said, you know, there's a lot of reading on this. And I said, yeah, yeah, I know that. And you can't read that well. I said, no, no, I can't read that well. Okay. Um, well, good luck. <laughs> it was just, you know, how, how better. And you know what? He, um, he's still a friend, and he has been a huge – Mentor friend and encourager and it's uh he's he's been um, he's been incredible to me like you and uh, I'd be blessed in my life to have great people around me
2: um you have but that's not even half the story. Um, We've we've heard a lot. I mean, I I believe you are the story of of the recent election. Um, But I I want to tell people a a little bit more. Let me recap. Back to the beginning, your mother died suddenly and the youngest two of her children were put into foster care. You were the baby and you spent time being shuttled between foster parents and children's aid until Isabel Carter said enough and adopted you. Things were looking up for a while. Uh, You've mentioned your dyslexia problems at school. Your parents thought giving you a paper route would help you. But as an eight-year-old paper boy, you popped in to escape the cold at a neighborhood gas station where you were raped by a stranger, telling no one for decades. Then when you were 13, your older brother, Michael, a police officer, I believe he was 28, three children, was killed in a motorcycle accident. And it was at his wake you had your first drink, trying to forget all the pain. By 17, you were drinking heavily. You were also addicted to cocaine or, as you say, any drug you could get your hand on. You lived in the park at Bathurst and St. Clair in Toronto for a while and worked the car wash there. If anyone, Dan, can empathize with people struggling with demons, it's you. Would you say empathy is your greatest gift?
11: Believe it or not, Kate, um, it's taken me a long time to be able to come to terms with all those events that have happened in my life. And I had to make a decision either way. I had to... Uh, make the decision that uh, my creator and and in my belief, my God, either is somebody that is dark and vengeful, or he's loving and caring. And if I drew the conclusion that um, he was loving and caring, that that means that the events that I went through in my life, I was put through those events in my life because of the reason that I was to prepare uh, to serve differently. And it was one of the ways that I I think I finally come to to realize um, that. You know these events have shaped who I am, and I think um, because now in my my role for the past four years and the next four years, I think it gives me an opportunity to have empathy. Mm-hmm. I think it gives me the opportunity to have have compassion. I think it has um, it's prepared me to give individuals hope, and I've been saying this to a lot of people. Well, you know, the greatest story out of what's transpired over the last four years and hopefully the next four years is recovery is possible. People, uh, when they give forgiveness, um, when they give people an opportunity to make amends, when, when we are able to truly be able to face our past and be able to try and serve for no other reason except for we want to serve at the very highest level mm-hmm. and take those experiences to help others, I think it brings out the very best of us.
2: Well, I know the date everything changed for you because uh, June 16th, 1991 happened to be my 30th birthday, so it was kind of burned into my brain. But that was the day your sister Maureen finally got through to you. What did she say?
11: She just, she said to me, you've got a choice here. And she slapped me so hard. I always tell the story. She hit me uh, on the side of the head and I, I my ears still ring from it. And she said, you've got two choices here. Either sober up or you die, but you do one of them well. And... It was the first time I'd ever seen this wonderful, caring, loving um, sister finally just hit the breaking point where she just had enough. She said, you know what, we've all had a hard life. We all lost Michael. Um, You know, we've all gone through our own hardships in our lives. Um, You don't have the right uh, to impact our family any longer, and you're going to have to make a decision. And it was the very first time that not only was I scared and convinced that it was my last day on Earth, But it was also the very first time I could see that my sister was dead serious when she said, you have those two choices, make uh, the the choice, the right choice, and Mm -hmm. do it well.
2: Well, it wasn't easy, but clean and sober, a few years later, you managed to break into broadcasting and enjoyed a career as a Durham local news and talk show host. Fun times, Dan. But I got <laughs> to tell you, Oshawa politics was a blood sport then. So what did you think in 2014 when your wife, Paula, challenged you to run for council?
11: You know what she um, um you know me too, and and um, part of it was is that she finally said, "You know, you've been back and forth in this, and people have asked you to run you know provincially, mm-hmm. and uh, you've turned it down and and you know what? you've got to either stop talking about it or you've got to start doing something about it." And you know what? I think that what she did is she took the fear out of me just trying, and I think you know the one thing that I credit my wife with. Uh, tremendously, she sees things in me that I don't see, and I think because of that, I think that um, it really pushed me to make a decision to step up. And I was, and Kate, honestly, uh, you know this uh, personally. The first election, I was absolutely floored um, mm-hmm. that that people elected me and the amount of votes that we got, and I was just absolutely taken back, and I was so humbled when I came into the campaign office. Uh, four years ago, and they told me that I had the third highest votes, uh, first time guy running. Um, I broke down and cried. I just I couldn't believe that the community was going to give me a chance to be able to serve at this level, and it's been the most rewarding four years of my life.
2: Dan, you got seventy percent of the vote for mayor.
11: Yeah, I know. I know it's it's crazy, but you know, again, as you know, I think. Um, I think people see that I'm authentic. People see that I'm a broken individual. People see that um, that they can really relate to my own journey, but they honestly believe, and I honestly believe, um, that I was prepared for this moment to serve in this role mm-hmm. because of the challenges and the hardships that we've had in our community. And I just think that the community has placed a great deal of confidence in me, but it also is charging me with the duty to be the best mayor that possibly can be uh, for our city. And that, that, that's, a, that's a heaviness that I clearly understand that it's being charged to me.
2: So what are the key issues for Oshawa? We, we know poverty and homelessness are, are, are big concerns. Um, more recovery clinics and shelters have been promised by, by some candidates as a response to the opioid crisis. But, but what do you see as the key issues?
11: Well, Kate, like every community across Canada, I mean, Canadians are facing harder and harder times to make ends meet. And the affordability factor of communities, uh, health-safe, vibrant, affordable communities is what all of us should be striving for. But I've said to everybody, um, for a long period of time, Oshawa's finances were struggling uh, for some past decisions and we don't Mm -hmm. blame anybody for that. We take responsibility and what we do is we try and address them. And I've been committed as the chair of finance over the last two years. I took over for the late Nancy Diamond that passed Mm -hmm. away very suddenly and I was her vice chair before that. Uh, But the principles of truly being able to pay our debt down, build our reserves, continue to invest in our city and make sure that our impact on every household is minimum as possible i understand that you know it's not just our 1.8% tax increase uh, that we may send somebody it's 13% on hydro it's 14% on education it's 10% on on transit it's it's you know food costs it's all these things that we have to take into consideration so um, to be able to build a healthy, vibrant community, it has to be a, a community that is also affordable for every walk of life, mm-hmm. and they demand the best services. So our finances are first and foremost as a strong foundation. The other issues in regards to poverty, homelessness, this opiate crisis took 4,000 deaths across Canada. I just met with 12 of the top agencies from across Canada last Tuesday and said, what is it that we're not doing that we need to do to be able to address the issues here in our city? And I'm confident that along with our staff and our senior staff, along with the agencies that are providing services in our community, and along with my personal experiences, I believe that we will be able to serve that population um, in a real positive way as we move forward over the next four years.
2: Now, council, I believe, was reduced from seven to five. Is that right? Um,
11: It was changed. Changed. So we had originally, we had seven representatives on our regional council. Mm -hmm. We lost two seats. So we have five local councillors and five regional councillors. So the makeup is different. Um, In 2014, we ran at large and now we ran into a ward system. Mm-hmm. Um, so that has changed also. So each ward, five wards, we would have one regional representative and one local representative.
2: Right. So and you've got some uh, new members. You, you are a, a, a team builder, a
11: consensus
2: uh, reacher. How, how are you looking forward to working with your new
10: team?
11: Well, I mean, it's there's a couple things. You're absolutely correct. I, I, it's gonna, it's gonna demand the best of collaboration, partnerships, and also leadership that is going to be demanded of me over the next four years. We have returning members that have served our city in the past, which we're really grateful for because they have great history, heritage, and and experience that brings to the table. We have new members that have never served before, and we have. Um, kind of midterm kind of uh, individuals that have served but not for long periods of time. So the makeup is going to be really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. Making sure that um, we're able to tap into their skills, their abilities and their giftings, make sure that they're in the right position so that they can succeed and serve the public at the very highest level is going to be really, really important over the next uh, 45 days of putting people in the right seats on the bus. And if we're able to do that, I think our committee structure will be strong. I think our our strategic plan will be able to move forward. And I think uh, the members that have been elected will see that the work that they're engaged in is truly going towards their giftings and their talents, and they'll be able to serve at the very highest level.
2: Now, you also launched the Day of Hope and Leadership. That's a fabulous event. What happens to that? Can you, can you be mayor and, and run the the inspirational event too?
11: Well, um, we, uh, we've had to make some changes there because uh, my role and responsibility mm-hmm. changed dramatically. But, Kate, I'm really pl- pleased to be able to say over 10 years, we raised over a million dollars for our Hope Center of Learning in the south end of Oshawa. And I'm really proud of that. We ran it for 10 years. We um, helped develop and shape uh, leaders from all across Canada. And we have now, um, we've got a new approach with uh, Day of Hope and Leadership, and we call it 2.0 and it's a smaller kind of approach to it but it's our organization with the same philosophies and the same ideas but on a smaller kind of way. We used to have uh, 350 people join us on the Day of Hope and Leadership that paid almost $300 a seat. We now do what our breakfast and lunch program, um, where we uh, take about 90 minutes of people's time, feed them, have a keynote speaker on a theme-based, try and empower, encourage, and equip leaders, and that's our new approach. We're going to be doing that four times a year, and we hope to raise. Um, the 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 necessary funds to be able to keep our, our center moving forward because it cost about $100,000 a year.
2: Wow. Now, Dan, when I was working in Oshawa, I was sometimes overwhelmed by the number of people asking me daily for a handout. I wanted yep. to help. Every single day I saw you slipping people a fiver, but sometimes I didn't have the cash. Sometimes I prejudged them. You taught me a very valuable lesson about what to do. Do you remember what you said?
11: Um, you'll have to you'll have to refresh my memory. Well,
2: it was how to de- about how to how to approach people if you didn't have yeah. the if you didn't have the time if you yeah. didn't have the money you always had a smile and to talk to people.
11: The the biggest thing I learned, Kate, when I was on the streets um, um, was you become invisible. Um, you really believe that nobody cares about you, that the life you've got now is the life you will always have, um, that you are truly walking in a place of, of uh, invisibility. And what I found was when you look people in the eye and you smile, and even if you, if you can't help them financially, um, you, you tell them, have a nice day. And, and some of them say, thank you very much and move on. Some swear at you and you just <laughs> gotta take that for, for what it is because you understand that they're struggling day to day to try and make ends meet. Um, And then, um, but you know, it's not not the act of giving, it's what happens to our heart when we do it. And I think what happens is it brings the best out of us. And that's the challenge that I've been putting forward to our whole community. You know, this is a time that has got different challenges in our community. And what it is demanding of us right now is not only the best out of its elected officials it 's demanding the best out of one hundred and seventy thousand people that live in our community. That means we have to find empathy that means that we have to serve that means that we have to work with our faith communities. That means that we have to find ways of better understanding the struggles that individuals that either have a mental health or an addiction issue or displaced or face poverty. This demands all of us um, to be part of the solution mm-hmm. and I think Uh, When leadership believes in it, when leadership uh, demonstrates it, I think great things happen in the community.
2: Well, Dan, thank you for teaching me a simple life lesson, one I've passed on to my children. And from the bottom of my heart, congratulations on a much-deserved win because I don't think anyone could love Oshawa more than you. (laughs)
11: <laughs> Thank you very much, Caden. I have to say this, I had the opportunity to work with you and I learned a great deal from you. And I got to be absolutely honest with you. I enjoyed our time together and I'm just very, very happy for your success in your show. You guys have done an amazing job and it's a great show and uh, you've surrounded yourself with great people. So it's always a pleasure. Have a glorious, glorious uh, uh, day.
2: Hey, Dan, have a great day. Thank you. Bye.
11: Bye.
0: She
3: said. What She Said with
6: Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect! Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say, be picky! Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding! Yeah! And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian. Expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply.
7: Take the Hill Street Challenge and go alcohol-free for 30 days. Because when you go alcohol-free, good things happen to your body. Better sleep, greater focus, and maybe even... Wow, my bass playing has gotten awesome. Right, honey?
4: Yeah, whatever. Whatever.
7: Take the Hill Street Challenge and play sexy all night long. Learn more at hillstreetchallenge.com.
1: Fashion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit Kearns & Co. This is
3: 1059 the region
1: what she said.
0: She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable.
3: Now back to what she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler.
0: Start it up, turn that key. I got a spin
1: right next to me. Don't you know better, baby, not to keep. What you were listening to is Woman the new single by Canadian Country singer-songwriter, Kelsey Maine. Welcome to What She Said. Thanks for having me. You were nominated as a one-to-watch for 2018 by Soundcheck Entertainment. For people who may not be familiar,
12: how did you get started? Well, I actually went to school for nursing, and as a part-time job to pay for my education, I picked up this serving-slash-singing job, Bevertainer um, job. Bevertainer? Uh, I love yeah. that word. Bevertainer, cool. <laughs> At um, this bar called the Bowl and Barrel. It was a country bar. And I always loved to sing. And so originally it was, uh, they were looking for dancers. And so I went and I danced. I'm not really a dancer per se. I would never consider myself a professional dancer, but I can dance. And so uh, I went there and I... Said, you know, I can sing too, and then they had me sing, and then that kind of um, grew into something bigger. So, and it's a great <laughs> new
2: song, "Woman Waiting." So, what's the inspiration behind this track? I think your mom has something to do with it.
12: Uh, well, uh, yes. Yeah, so, so she did. Um, always tell me, you know, faint of heart never won fair maiden. So, um, I always kind of believed that and and uh wanted to write something about like a strong female and empowerment and something so this this song is about just you know like i'm not gonna wait too long for you you, you gotta, gotta keep moving you gotta <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yeah, absolutely don't don't keep me waiting baby. yeah, yeah. <laughs> now you divide
12: your time between toronto
2: and nashville so what's mm-hmm. your favorite thing about nashville
12: Oh my goodness. Um, I think it's more the random nights that you find yourself. um, One really, really cool night. I was invited to a house party and I walk in and it's 12 people in a living room that I've never met before, but they're all passing around a guitar and singing each other's songs, original songs, and harmonizing, and it's it's it just didn't seem real. I'm like, okay, so this is Nashville. Like, you know? <laughs> so what's next for you? Um, well, we are playing a couple more shows. We have CCMA's this weekend, so we have five showcases in three days. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, we we're playing um, the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Last year was Brett Kissel, and this year we're playing. So awesome. we're, we're really excited. And, um, and then an EP next year. So oh, and where can people find you on social media if they want to follow everything you're doing? At Kelsey Maine is everything that I have. So Kelsey with an I instead of E-Y. And Maine M-A-Y-N-E. M-A-Y-N-E. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for
2: having me. Singing us out now in our live studio sessions. Here is Kelsey Maine performing Woman Waiting.
0: the night. Yeah. right take a shortcut down the two lane, you can roll it on over in a sweet new ride. Just don't take your sweet time, boy. Start it up, turn it up. shortcut down a two lane you can roll it on up in a sweet new ride just don't take your sweet time boy start it up turn that key i got a smile right
13: Let's take this outside. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And at letstakethisoutside.ca. Another Sound Off Media Company
9: podcast.